Welcome to the Conquer Food Podcast with Craig and Paula Williams, where we share tips, tricks and strategies from the coalface of the weight loss industry in the UK. We're going to help you to think, eat and move better. Ultimately, we're going to help you finally gain control and conquer food. Hey, open welcome to the Conquer Food Show. Uh, I'm your host. I'm on my own today, Craig Williams. Um, and today we're gonna we're gonna talk about four things that have been have been shown to to kill motivation. So it follows on from a podcast that I did recently, where I looked at um, four blocks, four four things that can block your motivation. Okay, so so these are, on the flip side of that, these are things that will just kill it dead. All right. So um, so we're gonna dive into that now. Before we do, can I just ask you a favor? If you're getting any kind of benefit from these podcasts, if you are learning things and if it's inspiring you or even giving you a little bit of a giggle every now and again, please, on whatever platform you're listening to this on, just leave us a five-star review and share it with your friends and family, anyone that you think would benefit from it. And if you're listening on YouTube, then um, please just hit the subscribe button and the notification bell because we upload these podcasts at different times, different days every week. And uh, and the only way to make sure that you're going to get a notification is to hit that little bell, okay? So if you do that, it does, it does two things. First and foremost, it lets us know that we're on the right track, okay? Because, you know, I, I'm just talking now, this isn't a conversation. However, you know, just a little comment, a little bit of a review and whatever you will tell us that we're giving you the right information or even explain what else you want to hear. Um, and the other thing it will do is it will help other people find this information. And like I've said before, there are people out there that are really, really, really struggling with food, with their lifestyle, with their habits, and also their exercise. And they need this information to help them, okay? So um, if you leave a little review, then it's going to help people find it. Um, okay, so let's get into the main contact, uh, the main content today. So basically, a guy called Richard Clark from the USC Center for Cognitive Thinking did a study, and he looked at things that just kill motivation dead. And he listed four main factors. Okay. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to go through these factors. I'm going to give you a little bit of my own spiel on it, my own take on it. Um, I want you to listen to it and just see if any of it resonates with you. I'm going to give you a couple of little tips to overcome some of them if they, if they are sort of killing off your motivation. And obviously the aim of this podcast today is to get you cracking on, is to keep you going. You know, we all want just a little bit more motivation. Um, so anything that's going to sort of smother it and stop it dead, we need to get rid of that, all right? Otherwise, we're just not going to achieve all the things that we want to achieve, regardless of what it is, whether it's cleaning out your eating, whether it's losing weight, whether it's getting fitter, whether you're working towards a, a sporting event or a challenge, okay? If we're, if we're not motivated, then, or we're not motivated to do the work that we need to do, then obviously, ultimately, we're just not going to be happy. So, so that's what this is about. Okay, for the four things that I'm going to go through um, one by one, the first one then is what, is what we call a values mismatch. Now, values are a very powerful thing. Whenever I do any sort of one-to-one coaching with anybody, straight away, I try, to, I try to ascertain what is valuable to them. What values do they hold sort of with strong regard? Now, values are usually one word, uh, like a one-word descriptive, um, everybody's got values, things that are important to them. We pick them up through lots of different reasons. Um, however, because we hold them in such high regard, we value them so much 
if we have a mismatch between what we're trying to do and what we actually value, it really does kill our motivation. It stops us doing the things that um, that we're trying to do. Now, an example for me is I am both a business owner and therefore, you know, I, 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 I want to do work and I want the business to grow and I want it to be profitable and all this kind of stuff. But I also, one of my biggest values is freedom. And there has been times when I'm like, okay, I know I need to do this extra work and here's a new opportunity that if we, if we pursue that, then it could be really good for our business. But on the other hand, I'm like, but I don't want to give up the fact that I can just go for a paddle down the river whenever I want. I can go for a run whenever I want. I can head off and do a multi-stage event anywhere around the world, you know, and, and that, that freedom is so important to me that it has stopped me doing things in the past. And, and, you know, and there is loads and loads of different examples of that. Now, to, to sort of find out and work out what these mismatches are, the first step really is to to establish what your values are. Um, I don't know if you've ever done any work on values before, worked out what you what you value or what your values are, but there's a great book um, called The Values Factor, which is a great place to start. Um, what you can also do as well is you can just, just go to Google and just type in, you know, most common values and it will bring up a list of about 50, 60 or whatever of the most common values. And what you can do is there's like a little three-step process you can go through, which will roughly give you what your values are. Um, and I suggest you do it. And, and, th and these are the steps. So first of all, what I want you to do, I want you to look down through the list and I want you to pick out any value that just resonates with you. Okay. Now, when I'm describing that now and you're listening, you might be thinking, well, what, what does that mean? You will know, you will read down to your list and you'll go, Oh no, hang on a minute. That, that does actually mean something to me. You know, you just get like a little bit of a feeling inside. An example of that is if I give you three words, you tell me which one kind of just creates a little bit of emotion or a bit of a response in the body. Cat, dog, shark. Most people, there are some people out there that re respond to cat more, but most people respond to shark because the word itself just generates a response in the body. Now your value, your values will do not the same feeling, but you will get, you will get a feeling. Okay. So, so that's an example of that. And I want you to go through the list and we need to shortlist about 10 to, to 12 values. Okay. Write them down on a piece of paper. Um, if you want to pause this and go and do it now, then you can do. And then I'm going to go on to step two. Okay. So we should have, we should have a list about 10 or 12. If you can't make it to 10, you know, whatever, then that's fine. If you've got 15 or whatever, it's fine. You know, you can still work with that because the second step then is we need to kind of get rid of any duplicates. So what I mean by that is you, you may, you may have, as an example, picked out religion and faith as, as important to you, right? Both great values. However, you might look at it and think, well, actually, does it, does it kind of mean the same to me? And it, and it is, it is subjective to you. All right. Um, you might think, okay, faith, will I get my faith from religion? You know, I sort of see it as the same thing. Um, and what I want you to do, I want you to pick the word that you think best describes the value and then ditch the other one. Okay. Because it is a, it is just a, uh, a duplicate. Okay. So, so work through the list and get through, rid of any, um, duplicates, duplicates. So you might have joy and happiness and you might think, mm, you know what, it's uh, a, a more, I value happiness more. That's, that's the one that describes it better or, or whatever. Okay. So work through and, uh, and you'll kind of see what I mean. All right. So we've, we've kind of sifted down through our list. Now, the next step, what I want you to do is I want you to kind of work through and I want you to put them, what we're looking for is the top five, but not just 
the top five in any which way. We want the most important number one. Now, you might have to do a little bit of reshuffling and, and moving stuff around, but what it's basically going to do is it's going to get you to cut the tail off all these values and, and end up with just your top five. Now, the top five are really important because, you know, they're going to control a lot of what you do in life. Um, the others are still relevant and there are times when you get what I call an outlier, one that's just miles, you know, it's miles down the list, but every now and again, it just kind of gets in the way. Um, but I don't want you to worry about them too much. I just want you to work out what those top five are. And once you've got them top five listed from one to five, um, I want you to think about the goals that you've got, even if they're like soft goals that you've not really, you know, you, you haven't like written, written them down and smart goals and all that kind of stuff. But maybe it's just like, I just want to lose weight or it might be very specific. Like I want to lose 10 pounds by May the 17th or whatever. Um, and I want you to compare that to your values and see if there's a mismatch there. And um, so what I mean is you, you might have comfort and socializing as your, as values, yet you're trying to go running on your own, um, you know, 10 miles on your own in the, in the cold, wet weather, you see how there's a mismatch there and it can really kill off your motivation for actually doing stuff. Now, the way around that is you, you look for activities and you look for goals that are kind of in line with your values. Now, your values can change and they, and they do change throughout your lives, different stages of your life. Um, but the, the, it's not something that changes quickly. Therefore, it's much easier to change your behavior and, and how you're actually acting out these behaviors to, to come more in line with your values until your values shift again. Okay, so, so that's kind of the way around that. So that's a great little exercise to do to kind of get started, regardless of, of whether you're trying to you know work on your motivation anyway. Just understanding what is valuable to you can be quite a powerful thing. Um, another thing that you can do in line with that is you can just Google again um, love languages, the five love languages. Um, it's a it's a book. Okay, I don't know who's by, but basically you can work through, and the idea is that you work out what your what your love language is. And then the idea is that you and your partner work out what your love language is. Like some one person might, they might respond really well to words of affirmation. Okay. They need to be told that you love them, that they look beautiful or whatever. Um, and another person might respond really well to gifts and, um, you know, going out for dinner and a precious time together or whatever. And people have these different love languages and they, what we tend to do is we tend to project our love language onto the other person. But for example, if, if like for me, mine is, is, um, quality time. Okay. My, that's my number one love language. And Paula's is, um, words of affirmation. So I might be going, okay, let, you know, let's go for a walk together on down by the river. And she might be like that. When are you going to tell me I'm beautiful? You know, <laughs> you see how there's a mismatch there. Now, what those love languages do as well is that they do establish what your values are as well. It's really, really interesting again. So to do that, you can just Google that, do the test or get the book or whatever, um, and just kind of see what your, what you value. Um, and that's going to help you when you're kind of putting your, your goals together and looking at your habits and all that kind of stuff. And really we're looking for a mismatch that causes friction. Um, a friend once described goals and, and values to me as like two discs spinning, and when your when your values are aligned, the, the the two discs are kind of just running, you know, side by side, and that's fine. But when you've you've got a mismatch, one disc is going the opposite direction and almost breaking the other one, and it's causing friction and heat and frustration and all this kind of stuff. And um, and that's what we're trying to trying to get past. Okay, the next one then is a lack of self-efficacy. So this is 
what you, it's, it's kind of, it boils down to like how you value yourself. It's not other things that you value. It's, it's you and your belief in yourself and whether you're good enough and, and, and worth it and strong enough, you know, and all these positive things about yourself and, and at what level you kind of at with that. And, and some people just genuinely don't think they deserve to be, to be happy and fit and healthy and all this kind of stuff. They spend so much time looking after other people that they, they kind of, you know, disregard themselves and, and think they're not worth it. Um, and again, this can just absolutely kill kill motivation. Um, anyone that's got a strong sense of self-efficacy will will view challenging problems as things to be overcome, things to be mastered. All right. So um for, for me, if you know if I've so the, the the quarantine thing's going on at the minute, I'm like, okay, right, we need to get past this. You know, we get to get through this and we can do it, you know, and that's kind of how I, I look at it. Now somebody who's got a weak sense of self-efficacy will will avoid that challenging task. Okay. So, you know, I, I don't know where you are on that. You might see it as like an obstacle rather than opportunity. Um, uh, someone with a, a strong sense of self-efficacy will they'll look to sort of develop a deeper understanding of the activities that they're, that they're doing. Um, they will look to like form, uh, <laughs> like, like more commitment. They will look to, you know, how, how can I become more committed in this and, and do more and, and constantly looking at how they can move forward. And because of that, like they'll, they'll recover quite quickly from any set, setbacks or disappointments. Okay. Whereas someone who's got like a weak sense of efficacy, they will, they will believe that like difficult things or difficult situations, difficult tasks are kind of beyond what they can do. You know, like I'll never be able to do that. So, you know, so many people come to boot camp and they go, well, I, I'll never be able to run a marathon. You know, I'll never be able to run a 5K, do a park run, finish this circuit, or do a burpee or whatever, you know, and that suggests like a weak sense of efficacy. Um, they'll tend to fa they'll tend to focus on like previous failings and and like where they went wrong in the past instead of like their, their wins. Um, and, and, and they're, they're kind of, you know, obviously low on confidence. Now, all of these things can be improved, but it does take a little bit of time. And, and what it, it, what it starts with is just looking at your, your beliefs and just setting goals, which are quite easy to, to do. Um, and then, and then constantly working on that and constantly just nudging up your efficacy or your self-efficacy every day or every little bit. Okay. By doing things that, they, they, they test you, but don't test you a lot. So for example, instead of going, right, you know, I'm going to start running. I don't believe for a minute I can, I can run a marathon and all that kind of stuff. You know, don't start with thinking, right, I'm going to run a 10K or a 5K. Just start by putting your trainers on every day and just think, right, every day for a week, I'm going to put my trainers on, you know, and put them on. Now you can do that. And once you've done that, you can go, right, well, I've put my trainers on now. Every day for a week, I'm just going to walk around the block, you know, because you can walk around the block. And then every day for a week, I'm going to, I'm going to jog around the block or I'm going to jog a couple of K or what have you. Okay. And what we often do is we sort of, you know, we look around and see what other people are doing and, you know, people are running marathons and all this kind of stuff. And you think, well, that's where I need to be. Well, it's not because everybody starts somewhere. All you need to do is just start and, and just make, make your starting point really, really easy. So you cannot fail and just, just, you know, look for the little wins there and just keep building on those little wins. And, and the confidence will come in time. You know, it, it really will. You've got to keep building it and building it and building it. So, so that's the second one, self-efficacy, which absolutely just kills motivation because we can develop like learned helplessness, you know, where it's just, what's the point of even trying because I'm not going to be able to do it. But 
there's every point in trying because as I say so many times, you know, do you know somebody that has changed recently? You know, somebody who perhaps didn't run or didn't do exercise or always ate crap. And now all of a sudden they're eating really well. They're losing weight. They're out running. They're doing the circuits and all this kind of stuff. Do you know someone like that? And, and, and chances are you probably do. But here's the thing, like they're people, right? That, that's a person, whoever it is. And you're a person too, which means you can change too. You can do it. Um, uh, it just takes a little bit of focus on, on how on how you can get started and the, and the tiniest, tiniest little thing. Okay, the next one, then the third one is disruptive emotions. So these are emotions that knock you off track. All right. So, it, and it can be the, the silliest thing. Like you're driving down the road and someone cuts you up and you go, you know, up there, you know, you cut me up and that's a lack of respect and uh, you're rude and you didn't say thank you and all this kind of, and then next thing you're like that. And then all of a sudden you're eating some crap food to make yourself feel better just because you got wound up in a bit of road rage or whatever, you know, or someone says something at work or at home or the kids don't do what you think, or you've got an expectation for the way that people are going to react and they don't react that way. And, and that throws you off kilter. And, you know, so many, so many little emotions that we, that knock us off track. And, and the way to deal with this is, is to become aware of, the triggers for unhealthy eating and the triggers for, um, for, for being lazy in effect. Okay. What, what happens? Where are you? You know, what's the environment? What's the situation? What's the context of, of when you're, you know, perhaps eating crap food or, or, or being lazy or whatever it is. Okay. Because once you start to identify what the trigger is, then you can start to think, okay, well, this is what happens. And, and, and my, the classic for me as an example was, you know, I used to have a real problem with anger when I left the Marines and you know, I really kind of struggled and, and I got mad and, and I got angry so many times and I would just, you know, the, the slightest thing and I would smash up the computer and punch the wall and, you know, all sorts of different, different things. And, and, and what I'd also do as well is I would then eat crap food to help me feel better because come on, you know, as we all know, it can so easily become the default setting for, for so many different things, food, you know, and, and it was for me. And, and it wasn't until I goes, you know, I, I need to, I need to work on this anger thing because it's just disruptive. You know, it's, it's disruptive to everything that I'm trying to, I'm trying to do a business working with people and I'm trying to do this. And at the time I was doing freelance, you know, personal training and it just, it was just not a good place to be and good thing to do. And, and, it, and it took becoming aware of the disruptive emotion to be, to then be able to come up with a way of working around it. And, and, you know, the awareness is, is key for so many of these things. So start just sort of, you know, catching yourself when you're, you're feeling a bit shit or whatever. And, and what you can eventually do is learn how to, how to change that. So for me now, if I start getting pissed off and, 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 and angry and what have you, I'll, I'll look to change my state. So I might go for a shower or a run or go and do a training session or even just sit there and, you know, and just play it out in my mind and, you know, and work out how I feel about it rather than just react to it and respond to it without even thinking. Um, and that really has kind of helped me and, and, and they may well be, well, I'm pretty sure there definitely will be disruptive emotions that you, that you experience, which, which are knocking you off track. Um, okay. And then the final one is, um, attribution errors. Okay. So this is the fourth one, attribution errors. And, and this is something where it's like, okay, well, 
you know, this is what's happened and this is what caused it. But actually what we're saying caused it is, is completely wrong. Okay. So an example I'm going to give you for this is my eldest lad in the minute, you know, he's, he's on a bit of a health kick and, um, He's like, right, okay, you know, I'm, I've put on a couple of pounds since quarantine and as, as a lot of people have and, um, and he's like, you know, I feel a bit, my clothes are getting a bit tight so I'm going to sort this out and, and his thing was, right, okay, well, I'm going to cut out bread, all right, which, which is great. However, when you look at it, actually there's some bigger hitters here. There's, you know, two or three gins that you're having three or four times a week. There's the fact that you're, you're not moving a great deal, you know, get out and move um, and, you know... We, we, he's basically attributed what's going on to, to the bread. And, and it might not necessarily be that. And, um, and it just takes a little bit of analyzing what's going on. And, and if you're kind of thinking, well, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm right, then it's, it's good as well just to, to get someone who's got a bit of an unbiased view that's, that's not in the frame, you know, and therefore can see the picture um, to have a look at what's going on and chat it through and, and kind of just make sure that what you're targeting or what you're putting down as, attributing you to your the the results or lack of results you're getting right now is the actual cause and it's not and you've not got a like a, an error there where it's like you know i, I thought it was doing right. a classic that you get with weight loss is people you know strip out fat from their diet thinking well I, i'm trying to lose fat therefore i'll strip out fat but in doing that they up their sugar whether it's natural sugars sweeteners or, or whatever and and they're actually getting bigger but they're thinking, well, I've stripped out fat. You know, that was causing the problem. And, you know, and, and what proves this, as I say so many, so, so many times is, you know, we, for years we ran scared of fat because it's the most calorific food group that, that we eat. Um, and it, in, it's the same three letters, isn't it? You know, fat in, in food, fat on the body and the uneducated will, th- uneducated, that's wrong, but the, the misinformed would believe it's the same thing. It's the same thing. So if I eat less of it, I'm going to have less in my body. Well, actually, it doesn't work like that. You know, basically the body fat that we have comes from, comes from, um, you know, we, we, we eat all, all the food that we get, we chew it up and we swallow it and, and we use some of it and, and all this kind of stuff and, and stuff that when we've got like an imbalance and we've got too much energy, then what we will do is we'll reform all these, this excess of, of calories and this excess of energy and then that will be then reconstituted and, and, and turned into body fat you know and, and regardless of the food group that you kind of eat in that's that's kind of what happens so it's not you know we don't eat like a couple of molecules of fat and then those same molecules go straight to our thighs it really doesn't work like that but we we would attribute it to that and then what people do is this because they're running scared of fat is strip that out but, but here's the thing you know if if fat was the issue, right now you know we have never eaten as much low fat food as, as a as a society, um, and we've never done as much exercise. You know, there's people doing double spin and double body pump and all this kind of stuff. Yet obesity is going up, and and why is that? And, and the problem is that it's not the fat. It's not we don't need to be running away from fat. It's the sugar predominantly that's causing us issues. You know, so and and that's a, a, a very big example of an attribution error and there may well be some attribution errors in your in your own health and fitness and and all that kind of stuff and it, again it just takes a little bit of diving into it and, and and thinking about it and you know perhaps write down what you think is either knocking you off track or 
um, having the inverse of effect of, of whatever your goal is. So if you're trying to lose weight, what's get, what's causing you to put on weight or stay the same? If you're looking to get fit, what's causing you to be sedentary and, and not do your training sessions or not training hard enough? You know, what is it that's causing that? And then, you know, have a little think of, around that and, you know, maybe even brainstorm it or write it down on, the, on a bit of paper and just brainstorm around it and sort of think, you know, is is this right? You know, or am I attributing this to, to the wrong thing? Um, and and all in all with that, you know, you've got to be kind of honest. You really have got to be honest with all this kind of stuff. Otherwise, you know, there is no change with that honesty. Okay, so they're the, they're the four things that this uh, Richard Clark came up with, plus my little bit of spin on there. I hope you found this um, this podcast of benefit. Uh, I'd love to hear your feedback from it. You know, if you if you're reading through this list and you you sort of think, yeah, that's me, um, and I get what you're saying, but how do I change it? And you want some more information how to share uh, how to change it? Then then let me know in, in the comments. I'll track every comment and answer as many comments as I can personally. Uh, as much as I can. And like I said before, if you're getting benefit from this, then please uh, leave us a review and, and share share this podcast as much as you can. Um, okay, so, oh, but yeah, I forgot the old, uh, forgot the old theme music. There we go. <laughs> um, right, okay, same again. So next time I'm on the podcast, there'll be another little solo podcast. I'm going to, I'm going to talk about um, developing discipline and how discipline can be much more powerful than motivation itself we all want motivation but sometimes actually what we need is a little bit more discipline a little bit more let's just get it freaking done um, and that's what i'm going to talk about in the next podcast so until then take care